This is uh, Jay Horowitz with the latest edition of the Amazing Mets Alumni Podcast, and I'm proud to welcome two guys I've known for over 40 years, Joe Torrey and Bobby Valentine. These guys were friends, rivals in 2000, and they're involved in a great project now. They're, Bobby and Joe are co-producing or co-directing a, a film about baseball impact after 9-11, 20 years since. And Joe, why don't I start off with you? How did this, and before I forget, it's going to be shown on HBO Max, we start streaming on uh, September 11th. Joe, how did this project come to be? Well, I, I uh, my agent came to me uh, with, you know, the question uh, about, you know, being part of a documentary. Uh, you know, Bobby and I were going to co-produce and, um, uh, you know, it, it, you, you jump at the opportunity. I mean, it was such a terrible time in, in our history and, but, um, I really learned something uh, from 9-11. I realized how much the people needed uh, baseball. Uh, you know, I initially when it happened, uh, baseball was probably the last thing on my mind. We're all thinking the loved ones and where is everybody? <clears throat> but uh, once, you know, once you realize that you had all those questions answered, and we went out and about and started visiting, uh, you know, different places, Ground Zero and, you know, the, uh, the, the relatives of, uh, of the, the lost. Um, you realize that, you know, baseball is a big part of uh, a lot of people's lives. And I think it gave, it, it gave us a little diff, different uh, viewpoint of what we do for a living and it was a responsibility we had to make sure we lived up to it but bobby i i know you the film deals with more than just the answer effect of not as i know it's going to go into sunday when bob Laden was captured on espn's tv and people heard it what other aspects of the film do you want to talk about what's going to happen on the film well, actually, the uh, documentary is going to be about uh, not only about Joe and, and everything that uh, he did and the Yankees did getting to the World Series and keeping hope alive for all of the fans of New York. But uh, it's it's also about those people who were healed or how the healing began because of baseball, because, you know, we were playing on the field because the Yankees were playing on the field and we were playing in New York and how, you know, the, the families and friends of those who are trying to heal um, were, were helped by the sport of baseball. Yeah. And the Bin Laden thing you mentioned, you know, Jay, when you mentioned the Bin Laden thing, you know, I was doing a telecast, a Sunday night telecast with ESPN in Philadelphia when they started chanting USA. And uh, I got a text, and that text was from the father. And he said, we got the bad guy. And he didn't really call him a bad guy. He called him something else. And, and I pushed the mute button and went down to the truck and said, hey, something's happening here, anything until we can verify it. But the crowd was so intense that they were getting their instant, uh, you know, social messaging um, that Dan Shulman broke it. And uh, it was quite an emotional time. Hey, hey, Joe, where were the Yankees on 9-11? 
Uh, Jay, we were home. Uh, on, on the 10th, uh, we were supposed to be playing the last game of a series against the Red Sox on a Monday. Um, Roger Clemens was going for his 300th win. Um, and uh, we got rained out uh, on, on Monday night. Uh, you know, and then Tuesday, uh, you know, 9-11, I, I was scheduled to do a, a fundraising uh, charity luncheon, I should say, in the city. And I, I was still sort of, you know, getting out of bed and I got a call from the car service that was supposed to pick me up. And they said, I guess it's canceled. Right. And I said, what are you talking about? And I turned on the TV and, you know, certainly uh, it was devastating what I was seeing, but you, you know, initially you didn't believe what you were seeing. And then my thought went to my five-year-old daughter uh, who I was making sure that what she was watching wasn't what I was watching. So uh, we were home and, you know, it, it, it just hit you square between the eyes. Bobby, I know we were in Pittsburgh and I remember we had a, we had a move from our hotel because we were next to a federal building. What do you remember? How did you get the news when we were in Pittsburgh that uh, what had happened? From the television, yeah, uh, I just got through working out in the hotel, went back up to my room, and uh, CNN had it live, uh, what was happening. And yeah, I remember, Jay, we looked out the windows, and the FBI building was across the street, and those black SUVs were blocking off all the entrances and the exits, and, um, you know, we, we just decided to get out of Dodge. You know, and luckily we had the buses there ready to take us to the game. And we used the same buses to take us out. Uh, I think we went out to Holiday Inn out by Robert Morris University, if right. I can remember. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were walking the streets trying to find something to eat. And once we did, um, you know, we woke everyone up early in the morning and we, we took the bus back. Or Joe, did you, Joe yeah. did you lose any, any close friends in the towers? Uh, uh, Jay, I was very fortunate. I, I didn't lose any close friends, but hell, uh, but but the friends of mine lost uh, relatives, which uh, were it, it, you know it's so devastating. Somebody who worked at that Yankee Stadium, uh, you know, lost a son, and uh, it was just you know it's hard to comprehend that one minute you know, all of a sudden your, your life changes forever. And, um, it was, uh, it was tough, but I, I was very fortunate, uh, cause I, you know, when it happened, uh, my son, I know my son worked down in that area in the financial area. Uh, but he was on the other side of the, of the Holland tunnel at the time it happened. Uh, I had a sister-in-law, uh, who, was flying reserve for American Airlines, and I had no clue where she was because she was on reserve. And we eventually found out that, you know, she was in Europe. And uh, so I, I, you know, deem myself very lucky to not have lost any, uh, any, any close friends. Uh, Bobby, I know you lost one close friend. I was very familiar with uh, Chris Quackenbush, who was killed in the North Tower. I remember that hit you pretty hard. Do you want to talk, say a little something about Chris? 
Yeah, well, you know, amazingly, Chris um, was one of the founders of Sandler O'Neill, and his uh, his company was devastated um, uh, in that hor- horrific event. And he went to work that morning, and uh, that was the last anyone had seen of him. Uh, he was a big Met fan, you know, season ticket holder, but better year before, and did it on the. Uh, having his kid boy at the star game that Joe and I managed out in Seattle and just, um, just the month before that all-star game happened to be the last game that the family uh, attended together. And then fast forward as crazy as it is, Jay, his son, CJ was um, the, the, um, image or the cutout that I put in the stands uh, was sold by uh, Chris Quackenbush's son. So uh, it's amazing how baseball connects the whole world. Uh, and and um, yeah, that, that was a devastating loss along with a, my, my doctor's brother uh, was also lost at that time. And um, you know, those, those, those are wounds that, really never heal. Yeah. We took baseball for a couple of minutes. Hey, Joe, when you became the manager of the Mets in May of 1977, uh, player manager, about a month later, with the Mets traded for Bobby Valentine, did you have any input to that trade? Or what, what did you think about when the Mets got him that, that the June, June 15th, 1977? Yeah, a couple of weeks later. I mean, I got the job on the 31st of May and, uh, you know, knowing going in that uh, we were going to trade, uh, we were going to trade Tom Seaver. And uh, I can't tell you how many phone calls I got because uh, we were on the road uh, not to trade Tom Seaver, not to trade Tom Seaver. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, predetermined because, uh, you know, he had just gone down the road too far with M. Donald Grant, I guess, you had a figure in Dick Young and that whole situation. Uh, it just got really ugly. And Tommy was, uh, he was such a pro during the whole thing. And I remember <clears throat> the night he got traded, uh, we were in Atlanta and he come over and asked permission if uh, during the game, if he could go and, and fly home when he knew he was getting traded for sure that night. He asked uh, if I would let him go home early and, you know, fly back to New York. And I, I, you know, had no problem doing that. He just he just wasn't emotionally ready to face the press that night. And, it, uh, you know, and then, of course, the next day he did. And it was uh, it was still very emotional for him. And, and Bobby came the same day, right? <laughs> yes, Bobby came and uh, you know, we uh, we also uh, we traded. You know, Mike Phillips and you know Dave Kingman, and you know it was a a purge, so to speak. You know, but it, you know it was sort of a a love hate thing for me because you know you hated losing you know the players, but it, managing was brand new for me, so I was excited about the prospects of of just managing and, you know, you don't, you don't always, um, 
you know, uh, have a choice on, on, you know, who gets dealt or what happens. But uh, as I said, I, I, it was still brand new to me and I was excited about that. Uh, it was tough losing good players, but you get, we had good players come back. Uh, Joe, what did you know tournament. about Bobby back then? What did you know about him as a player? Well, I, I knew Bobby had a very, uh, very high uh, expectation, uh, you know, and then, you know, in the way Bobby played, he, you know, he didn't know from fear. He played hard all the time and winds up getting hurt and hurt his leg, which, uh, you know, he continued to play hard and run hard, but he didn't have the speed that he once had. And I, you know, it obviously affected uh you know, how his career turned out. I mean, he, he still was, he knew what he was doing at the plate. He was very cerebral and it didn't surprise me that he became a manager because, um, you know, he was very intelligent uh, and still is, by the way, I didn't want to take that away from him, but, <laughs> but he, he, you know, he was always in. And I think the fact that he started the Dodger organization, uh, you know, is a, a benefit because the Dodgers always had a, a quality organization that, um, you know, nurtured their players in a proper way. Bobby, what was your feeling when you knew your local guy from Connecticut? We feel like coming back to a local team. Well, Jay, let truth be told that um, I think Joe McDonald remembered me as a high school player and he might not have seen the memo about my breaking my leg in 73. And this is four years later. And I played on the West coast the entire time. I was now with San Diego, which was my fourth team, I think, or my third team that I was with. And I stunk. I, I, I wasn't a very good player. Um, matter of fact, I got to the Mets and uh, by the time September rolled around, I went into Joe's office and I said, Joe, I, I can't do this. My leg doesn't bend the way it should. I'm falling down when I'm running around the bases when I ever have a chance to do it. And maybe Dr. Um, Jim, um, oh, what was his Parks. name? Jimmy. Uh, Jim yeah, Parks. Jim Parks. That's right. Our orthopedic surgeon. Maybe, maybe Jim could uh, reconstruct my ankle and, and, and make it better. So I took the last month of the season off um, because I was tired of embarrassing myself. Uh, and uh, the, the operation uh, to reconstruct my ankle really didn't work because uh, I don't think anything was, was going to work. So, um, I mean, Joe was, Joe was just so good to me. Uh, he kept trying to, you know, let me go out there and give me an opportunity to play. And, um, you know, being part of that June 15th day uh, was, was quite the – the challenge. I don't know. You know, there are a lot of people in my hometown who are excited that I was back, but they were so upset uh, in Stanford that Tom Seaver was traded, let alone, let alone Dave Kingman also. And I was in the Kingman trade that um, it, it wasn't a real friendly time as far as the fans were concerned. Let's jump ahead to the subway series is about to start next weekend in Yankee stadium. Bobby, how much pressure we played in the first one in '90s? How much pressure did you feel when he went against the Yankees and Joe when it first started in the late '90s to to win? 
that for me, Jay? No, Jay, it was, it was unreal. I did Bobby first, Joe. Yeah, that's fine. You didn't have any pressure, Joe. I had all the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was, un, what was unreal, as you guys remember, is, you know, we had the police caravan where they stopped all the traffic on the bridges and on, on uh, you know, on 87 that, that – People were, were not allowed to get on the highway, and here comes our bus. We draft, dressed at Shea Stadium and then were bussed over to Yankee Stadium uh, with a motorcade. Uh, it, it was surreal. You know, people were lining the streets. When we got into the Bronx, they were yelling and screaming. People were, um, you know, camping out, it seemed, overnight just to get a glimpse of the bus as it came in. It, it was 97, 98. Uh, it, it was unbelievable. And remember, we had to play, the Mets had to play the Yankees twice as much, twice as much as any of the other interleague teams. Huh? So we had to pull that draw. Where Atlanta, our big competition, I think they were playing, I don't know, Miami twice or someone, you know, who, who was – I mean, we were playing the Yankees twice as often as they were playing whoever they were playing. So it, it was amazing. And I remember looking at Joe in, in 99, and we were, we were kind of worn out from that, you know, that interleague playing. My God, we got to go through this again? It was really, really trying. And then once we felt that we had enough of it, then we wind up playing each other in the World Series. It, it was unbelievable. Joe, what were your recollections of those first couple of games? Well, let, first of all, let me go back a little bit, Jay. You know, I was managing the Mets and, you know, and then we were going to play the Yankees in the Mayor's Trophy game. Now, this is just an exhibition game during the course of the year. And, you know, and, oh, yeah. and Don, M. Donald Grant wanted a, us to pitch our best pitcher against the Yankees in an exhibition game. And I remember we, we were playing at the stadium and uh, Billy Martin was managing the Yankees and we had a tie game uh, in the eighth inning or ninth inning. And all of a sudden a baseball comes over. I wish I'd have kept it. Uh, baseball came over from the Yankee dugout and I was standing at the end of the dugout, the home plate side, and I get the baseball and I look at it and it's a note from Billy. And he says, who's going to squeeze you or me? You know. <laughs> but then, you know, and then let's fast forward. All right. Give me in 1996, my first year with the Yankees as manager. And we ended the spring like we do every year playing the Mets, you know, a weekend series or whatever it is. And, and then we were going to open the season in Cleveland. Well, George Steinbrenner is, is in my office in, uh, in Tampa. And he says, you know, we got to beat these Mets. You know, he comes in and, and gives you the mandate. You got to beat these Mets. I said, let me ask you something, George. Now I'm just playing with him a little bit. I said, George, if you had a choice of beating the Mets two out of three or being Cleveland two out of three, which one would you choose? And his response was, don't ask me that question. Right. And meanwhile, <laughs> the Cleveland games counted. The Mets games didn't count. But, but play, playing uh, against uh, Bobby and the Mets in, in 2000 
I mean, this, the stress level, I mean, I had never been to a World Series until 96. And, and you know, we had a little experience with it. But, uh, you know, you, Bobby felt that, you know, they had to beat the Yankees and, you know, we had to beat the Mets. And it didn't matter who had the better team because it, it was a matter of uh, saving face. But um, it, it, was, it was tough. Jay, because when, you know, you'd go out and drop off your dry cleaning or go to the grocery store, that's all people talked about, uh, you know, and, and it, it was it was an unbelievable pressure packed series. And then, of course, George, when we went over to, the, to Shea Stadium, uh, you know, he, he looked around and he saw all the Met logos on, on the stools that we were in, in the clubhouse and, and the next day he moved all our furniture over from Yankee stadium to Shea stadium. So uh, we'd have, uh, you know, our own chairs and all that stuff. So it, it, it got, you know, it, it was far more than just playing the game on the field. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. You guys are bonded with this film, but you really have worked together on a lot of projects. Like I know Joe, you support Bobby. We was trying to raise money for Sacred Heart, which is athletic director. And I know that Bobby has supported Joe's Safe at Home Foundation. Why don't you just talk about Joe? You know, you know your the charity. How did you first become interested in charity and really support all the charities in New York? Well, uh, you know, when when I I grew up in a in a home where my dad was abusive to my mom, and I never wanted to talk about it. I knew, you know, my wife Allie. Yeah, you know, she, you know, we talked a little bit, but I never went into detail and never, you know, went about how I felt. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of low, I had low self-esteem. I mean, I, I, in high school, I never even went out for my high school baseball team as a freshman because I didn't think I was good enough. So I, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence and I, I didn't, I, I thought I was born with those feelings. Uh, then we went to uh, a seminar. Uh, I remember Allie was uh, eight months pregnant with our daughter, Andrea, and we were in Cincinnati because I had just gotten the Yankees job. And so we went into the self-help four-day symposium and uh, it was a speaker that sort of struck a nerve with me and I, I got very emotional. And that's when I realized it's okay to talk about what went on in my life. Uh, and, and it's, so when we got to New York, Allie said, what charity should we get involved with? I said, how about domestic violence? And it was her idea uh, and my older daughter, uh, Tina, uh, to do it through education. So we put safe rooms in schools, uh, have a master's level counselor and uh, kids who have, are dealing with, uh, you know, abuse uh, and uh, whether it's be physical or emotional in their homes, we give them a chance to talk about it, uh, let them know it's not their fault and they're not the only ones going through it. And, you know, we've had uh, 100,000 kids come through our program and we started our program in 03. And it's, it's just been very rewarding for me because, you know, we know what we do works and it's, uh, you know, the kids are our future. And then it, it's been uh, a work of uh, a love for me. 
Bobby, I, I know you involve a lot of charities. One I'm most familiar with, you really helped get to be in line with Tuesday's children, who was responsible for assisting over 3,000 kids who lost a uh, parent on 9 11, and we're still, uh, we're still bond with them today. You talk about how you got us involved with that in the beginning. Well, Jay, it was your inspiration. You know, I, well, I met with many of the first responders uh, who were suffering at the time and they wanted the kids to come to the ballpark and maybe brighten up their day. And it happened to be a Tuesday, the first night I brought brought some of the kids in and and you facilitated everything. You you got us the jet locker room where we went in and, and met with the kids and before we knew it, we were doing it every Tuesday. It was spectacular that we were able to do it even during the winter that winter. If you remember, you know, I had that restaurant across the street and, and the kids would come there and, and you know, there were lives affected. But, uh, you know, you and Shannon, uh, you know, you, you were the engine that dro drove that bus. Uh, I, I might have been a passenger on it for a while, but oh. uh, you, you did a great job with that. Well, you, you did too, Bobby. I want to talk about one, a couple of last questions. A gentleman you guys are both familiar with, uh, you know, Bush 43 was heavily involved in, in 90, in uh, 2001. And I, Bobby, you know, you worked for him in Texas. We were you surprised at how well, maybe not how well he did the impact he had on the country when, you know, speaking down at ground zero with the megaphone and, you know, which we remembrance of George Bush. Well, I think he was a great person, a great friend. He just donated to my mayoral campaign. Uh, so, you know, we'll live on forever. For a um, but the, the unprecedented role that he leading our country during that uh, time of attack against our homeland, uh, it's, it was unprecedented. I hope it never happens again. Uh, but when he was on that rubble and when he said uh, that we – She'll never forget. And uh, when he was throwing out that first pitch of the World Series at Joe's game and and uh, he and Derek and Joe, you know, told him not to bounce it. I mean, those are, <laughs> those are little things in my life that will live on forever. Huh, Joe? Yeah. Joe, talk about Don't what do you bounce. remember about the first ball like, against Arizona in the series? Oh, uh, I tell you, you know, first off, there was rumors, you know, mowing, I mean, going around the clubhouse that the president was going to show up. But obviously, because of the time, you know, we were in, uh, they never said for sure that, that he was going to be there. So we had a feeling he was going to be there. And then when we, you know, he, he showed up and and and, you know, he was going to throw out the first pitch and and he, he went and warmed up with with Derek. Uh, in the batting cage and you know of course he had the bulletproof vest on and Derek uh, and and only the style a Jeter can can present to you he says uh, where are you planning on uh, you know throwing the first pitch from he says if you're in front of the mound they're gonna boo you you're gonna have to get on the mound and and he said just don't bounce it and, and God, he put this in, in uh, the president's head, you know, and, and, and the president said, yeah, thanks a lot. And, and to his credit, I mean, he walked out of that, he walked out of that runway and up through our dugout. And it was like, you know, he was on a mission 
And he went out to the mound and he had a great reception from the fans. I don't care if you're, you know, Democrat, Republican, you know, whatever it was, it didn't really matter. This was our leader. And he went out to the mound and I'll be damned if he doesn't throw one right down the middle. And, uh, you know, he was pretty proud of himself, but uh, he, he, he certainly was carrying a lot of pressure from DJ. I know that. Well, he, 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 did you ever think of running for political office like Bobby is? We're all the Mets family. Everyone's getting back at Bobby running for mayor of Stanford. Did you ever think of running for office at all? Uh, no, he, I, you know, Bobby knows I don't run very fast, so I, I probably wouldn't be successful, but I'm, I'm willing to stand on the sidelines and root for him. Uh, but, um, no, I, I never did. I, I just, um, you know, I, politics, uh, is, is a concern for me and I'm, you know, I'm not aligned with either party, but, you know, I am an American and, um, you know, I wish the hell that, you know, people can try to find a way to, uh, to, to get along. And I know that's pie in the sky thinking, but, I never really uh, felt that uh, I was uh, qualified to, to run for public office. Well, well, I know Bobby would do a good job. Hey, guys, I really appreciate your time. So September 11th, streaming on HBO Max. You know, Bobby and Joe will be interviews about Al Ryder, John Franco, Bertie Williams, and Derek Jeter. And, you know, I, I appreciate your time. One personal thing, uh, uh, Joe is my first manager told me what it was like to be, what get involved in the major leagues, introduced all his friends, and Bobby's been a friend for 40 years, too. So we wish Bobby much best success on November 2nd in Stanford. And, Joe, keep, keep doing what you do. Everybody stay healthy. And uh, thanks again for your, your time, guys. It's a pleasure being with you, Jay, even though you did get me fired from the Mets. <laughs> well, I think I got Bobby fired, too, which is not good. <laughs> me, too, Jay. God, <laughs> I wish I didn't have the kind of power. <laughs> Guys, thank you, everybody. And Bobby, good luck on the campaign on the campaign trail. Love you, Jay. Oh, best of luck to you, my friend. Good luck, Bobby. Thanks, thanks, Jay. Bye Love bye. you, Joe. Thank you. Yeah. See you thanks, Bobby. Bye bye.